and welcome to this bonus news element of the Undercut podcast. There was so much going on, weirdly, after Mexico that we didn't want to try and cram it all into your ear holes all at once. So we've cut out some of it and given you the non-race news bits in this extra little element. Um, as always, I'm joined by my ever-able co-hosts, Timo Albus Daly and Ellie Mae Taylor. How are you both this evening? A little offended that you couldn't find something nicer to say about us, but apart from that, perfectly good. Thank you. I said you were ever able. There's nothing wrong with saying yeah. you're ever capable of doing your job. There's nicer ways to say it. Ellie, may have I offended you? If I'm honest, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> exactly. See, she's perfectly fine with it. We'll roll on to the news. Timo, you're opening this one up with some feeder series stuff. Do you know? Beganovic, which I had down as a proper pronunciation earlier, so I apologise to Dino for this. He's joining Prema for Formula th- in Formula 3 for 2023. He's the Freca champion with Prema in 2022. Very decent F3 team with some good drivers coming up throughout the years, so it'll be very interesting to see how he does. He had three non-point finishes this year, but overall pretty decent, but a little bit Arthur Leclerc in kind of bad quality sometimes, and that always reflected, but I also think that um, he could be the driver to, uh, if Arthur doesn't step up to F2 next year, he could be potentially the, the deal breaker for Arthur there if he comes in and beats him immediately. So it's going to be interesting to see, especially in the topsy-turvy world of Formula 3 and the craziness that comes with it. And also a good plug for everyone listening to keep an eye out for our F3 end of season triple header review that is going to come out between this episode and our um, Brazil Grand Prix preview episode. Yes, it is. Um, moving on from some F3-ish news to Lewis Hamilton. And uh, he's launched his film and TV company, Dawn Apollo Films, which he set up in collaboration with the Copper Talent Agency, which is run by his manager, Penny Throw, or Penny Though, even. Um, the new company already has two projects on the slate, an untitled feature film starring Brad Pitt, certified wife beater, and a feature documentary on Hamilton's own journey to Formula One. Um, Hamilton's sort of basically said, when I do stop racing, which I don't plan on doing for a while, interesting, he dropped it in a media interview about this uh i still feel i'm in a good place and i want it to be seamless i want to be able to move on to focus fully on dawn apollo films and sort of jump in at a similar level to what he's been used to essentially he's building some pillars to keep him supported when he retires from racing uh he also in august he bought a minority share in the denver broncos which i feel was at one point a running joke in the simpsons where homer wanted the denver broncos it's very possible with them but he's been to a couple of games now and they seem to be doing all right so I know nothing about this sport aside from what happens in the Super Bowl and even then I forget immediately afterwards. So, I know so little about American football, but yeah, it's interesting to see Hamilton sort of continuing his sort of branching out of things outside the sport. And again, he's aware of his pending retirement, but he's also saying that it's not coming just yet. So with regards to him staying around in Formula One, it's good news in that, in that, that instance. Was it the Denver Broncos that were on yesterday against at Wembley against the Jacksonville Jaguars? I fear you're asking the wrong people, Ellie Mae. Uh, maybe. Uh, the person who would know would be Megan Maurer, but she's not on the podcast this week. Um, I, I suppose one of us could Google it, or we could just sort of just not know and move on. Fair we'll not know and move on. Um, <laughs> Ellie May, I'm going to throw it to you here because Max and Sky Sports are in a bit of a tiff. Tell us everything. Um, all of Red Bull have decided to snub 
Sky Sports UK and apparently Sky Sports Italia because they are next to Sky Sports in the media pen. Um, essentially, Ted Kravitz said that um, Max basically shouldn't have won the championship last year and Red Bull have taken that personally. It does uh, feel a bit of a schoolyard tiff, doesn't it? I mean, they've t- it's almost like they've taken the school of Fernando Alonso in pettiness, and I kind of respect <laughs> it. I'm not surprised that you respect that, to be honest. But, <laughs> <laughs> I did hear that Sky Italy were like, hang on, guys, like, we haven't said it. Please, like, don't snub us just because we're next to them. But don't they share the same? They share the same TV camera or something because they we sometimes get the Sky Italy reporters, don't we? Occasionally, yes. Um, so, so maybe that's possibly. why. So but maybe still, that's it why seems, they... seems a little unfair to, to blame the Italians for this. They've got enough problems as it is. We don't need to. They don't need to be blamed for something extra. Yeah, they've just sort of been caught up in a tiff that was never. They were never really involved in in the first place. But I mean, it was a bit of. I don't think Ted should have said it. Personally, it is one of those things, though. I feel like. Okay, fine, you've got your opinion, you've got your opinion, but surely both of you should just be then, again, I'm not trying to start any beef with anything else, I'm just saying surely you would just be annoyed with the stewards and the race directors from Abu Dhabi instead then instead of blaming each other, like if you want to go and blame someone. I don't think Ted is blaming Max, I don't think um, it didn't come across that way, it was just because I think none of us are not under the impression that either one of those two, considering the performances they put in last year, deserved to win it. It was just the way in which it was done. And I think that maybe, okay, like, yeah, like you say, Ted maybe shouldn't have said it, or if he did, should, or if he sh- should have said it, should have said it in a slightly different way, because then we wouldn't need to be having this nonsense cover for. Yeah, I guess you always get told if you want to join the media side of, any sort of motorsport, whether it's right or wrong, have an opinion, but don't have such a strong opinion that you're going to annoy the people within it. And I feel like that probably still applies when you're in it. I do wonder how much of this is coming off the back of the cost cap as well, um, just because there was a lot of, for want of a better word, slander towards Red Bull there and Christian didn't seem to be standing for a lot of that. And now it's yeah, another thing. It's like, it just seems again of like, oh, you're, everyone's calling us names and we're going to have a bit of a boo-boo about it. And when th- I feel like the better thing would just to be surely just, again, you're, you're Red Bull, you're Max Verstappen, you're Christian Horner and nothing against Ted Kravitz, but he's not on the same level of stardom as they are. And He's not got the same high profile. He's a consistent statement in Sky Sports and F1, arguably, because he's been there for donkey's years. But you should be used to people both in the paddock and outside of it saying silly things occasionally to just be like, oh, yeah. Because, again, it, it's, it just reminds me of Cyril and Christian in previous years jousting with each other on barbs. and like, 
oh, that's perfectly fine, but one reporter says some one thing and you suddenly get all offended. It just seems a bit making a load of stuff out of nothing when it would just be easier to ignore it and move on. Yeah. I, I guess I where, I guess where I see where I understand with Red Bull, where they're coming from, is that the media have a very big role in how things are portrayed in Formula One because that's our, the only access for millions of people. And they don't just... Am I right in saying they don't just cover the UK? Do they do they cover Yeah, they cover Australia, America, yeah. a few other places. Basically, yeah. if you get English speaking TV, you're getting the Sky Sports coverage, I think is the way it runs. Yeah. So think of the storyline they're portraying to whole countries. With Red the Bull, one, then you would be annoyed. The one thing I would just counter that with just for the sake of I can, is that surely Red Bull should credit the F1 fans for not just believing something that Sky says and not doing their own homework on it, especially these days where you're encouraged to get multiple sources for something and to make up your own mind on that and not just accept what is spoon-fed to you. Um, Especially as it came during, what was it, one of Ted's notebooks for Austin anyway. So it's after all of the main coverage anyway and you're specifically there to watch it and you know kind of what he's about you're not going to chances are that that is your first time watching it or just stumbling into that for the first time how serious are you going to take that it's just my counter thing there you kind of dumbing down the f1 fans which okay on a different day i might argue for but on this particular instance i'll wear the other hat i don't think i'm sort of dumbing down the fans no not you I Red Bull. no i know but more realizing the power that the media can have Hmm. This was well, like by making such a big deal out of it, they're making even more of an impact with it. But Whereas this, if they just ignored it, the idea of pointing out what the impact the media has is why Max did it in an interview with in like the F1 sort of media pen afterwards, being interviewed hmm. by F1. He said that it's not necessarily, he didn't name drop Sky personally. They said, You, you, Perez. Christian, the whole Red Bull team aren't speaking to Red Bull or doing interviews with with uh, no, doing give, speaking to Sky or giving interviews. <laughs> They're to taking Sky. it very seriously. They're not even talking and, to their own team. Yeah, and Max didn't name drop Sky personally, so either that was him being petty or him saying the problem stems from he, that that he and the team are tired of this sort of constant stolen championship narrative that stems from social media and has transferred into more traditional forms, and he wants to see traditional sort of knows what's going on, knows how to conduct itself properly, media behaving properly and not spouting rhetoric that is pulled from the internet because it gets clicks and views. And I think the argument here stems more from a case of Red Bull and Max expected better of Ted Kravitz than what they saw in him going, oh, Lewis Hamilton's an eight, no, sorry, seven-time world champion, it would have been if it weren't for that stolen championship. And you're sort of going, that's a bit petty. That's that's the Sun newspaper levels of reporting. You expect better from Ted Kravitz. I think this is where the argument stands. I think at the same time, just for one thing I'll say on Ted, is that if it was anyone except him, I'd be like, eh. but I just, I can't see Ted having a violent bone in his body or meaning that in a bad way. He's probably just Ted being Ted and just saying that and not realising that. And Exactly, this is the thing. It was, either, it was either a fair gaffe which if it had just been the sort of getting Lewis Hamilton's championship numbers wrong, fair gaff, but then going down the stolen narrative, stolen championship Yeah, but we know that Ted can kind of ramble on as much as we can, so... He, he can, and I don't know whether it was a joke that didn't land and potentially it spiralled from there, but that's the thing with Ted, the argument is you expect better. If it was Croft, 
Crofty, give him his due, he's useless. But if it's Ted, you just expect better. And I think this is this is one of the things that potentially within Formula One, they know which journalists are the better journalists to speak to to get an appropriate story. You go to the guys with the checkered flag, you go to Ted Kravitz. You don't necessarily go to... Ziggo Sport is a brilliant one for getting a slightly odd story out of places because they ask weird questions and are a bit inappropriate. You sort of shy away from them and wait to be ambushed by them more so than approach them with a pucker story. And I think this is why they were quite upset that Sky have almost sort of climbed down the ladder of appropriateness and sort of moral backbone with this one. So I can see why they've done it. And it's annoying that Sky have done that, especially annoying to see that Ted's done that because I held him in quite high regard. And unless oh, he, this is going to suddenly make you a not 10 no, credits fan. No, it's, it's just not, kind of but uh, it, Smack on, the, smack on the knee, do better, and yeah. move on. Do you, do you think that this was maybe the final straw in that there was a build-up before it? Because there have been other cases, and I remember so vividly with the crash between Verstappen and Hamilton in Monza, and the first one of the first things that Damon Hill said, and I love Damon Hill, like I've, I've got his Posters winning Jordan picture, yeah, yeah. And he said, I think Max did, like something along the lines of, I think Max did that out of spite Mm. to make sure that Hamilton didn't get any more points. He did that purposefully. And I was just sat there thinking, that's, I don't think that's what you should be saying. Sky Sports should be better than this. Yeah, it leaves you with that bitter taste in your mouth something similar to what we had after Japan when you had the likes of Karun Chandok and Paul DeResta mm-hmm. basically slamming Pierre Gasly for sort of passing the crash site at that speed and you're sort of going no you should know better you should be able to do better and it's annoying when you can't and this is the sort of thing that Tim and I often joke about when we're sort of discussing things like the FIA cocking up over simple matters and we go, oh, why don't we join the FIA? That would be jolly funny. But then we sit here as journalists and watch other journalists cock up and it's almost the other side to the story of when there was that whole pit stop podcast slander when everyone was going, oh, they're useless. They don't know their facts. Oh, it's annoying that they get all these big promotions and get to go places when everyone else does their homework. But then you look at someone who's in that scenario, a proper journalist, a proper broadcasting team doing something properly, then making a mistake that amateurs don't. And you think, ah, Timo. I will just plug once again, Kim Sky or Formula One, therefore just hire the three of us because clearly we're taking it more seriously than everyone else. So... That is my appeal to all of you out there. FIA, hire us. Stewards, hire us. Formula One, Liberty, hire us. Sky Sports, hello, hire us. Channel 4, I'd like to join you, but we don't need to replace you. You're nice people. Yeah, Timo can do regular race commentary. I can do my little notebook. Ellie May can do the grid walk. Perfect. There you are. You've got your broadcasting group right there. I like to be rejected by celebrities. (laughs) You and Martin Brundle as a team up, that would be... Oh, interesting the sass levels would be through the roof <laughs> you get Ellie Mae doing a grid walk when she's in it's a foul see, mood that'd uh, be fantastic I, I give it three Grand Prix before she's convinced him to wear a toupee <laughs> <laughs> or it's just Ellie Mae running after people with bucket hats going that's mine now yeah it's mine yeah. just cover 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 if that was her at the weekend she would have been stealing that woman's handbag 
Oh, that's nice. I have that. Sorry, got caught on my microphone cable. It's fine now. When that guy hand, handed um, Martin Brundle some sunglasses, Ellie Mae's going, nope, keeping these. <laughs> Ellie it's a brand just, endorsement, isn't it? It's not a brand endorsement, it's kleptomania. <laughs> anyway. I would like to just make a provision of I'm not a thief. We'll allow you to do that. I was allowed to defend myself from apparently being on smack on the last podcast when I predicted Esteban Ocon would come home too. Um, we've got a few final points somehow still rattling on. Um, First of all, in that is that in Mercedes and their house recently, you've had two individuals, Anthony Lane, who was a mechanical engineer at Mercedes, and Harvey Cook, who was with Harris. They passed away, and both of their teams were honouring them on their cars and on social media, which may seem a bit odd to mention, but it's just something when it happened with Anthony Lane last week. So I was going to mention it about, about Harvey Cook because they did that in Austin. I just feel like it's something you see more of these days in F1 because, I mean, I've been watching F1 for a long time now. I'm not saying that they ignore it completely whenever someone who works for their team passes away. But I just aside from Nikki and a few other like high-profile individuals, you don't. I don't really remember the last time seeing those kind of tributes done, like through a star or a name on the card, this kind of thing. And it's just. A more positive part of F1, I feel like, that the F1 family is alive and kicking and, no, no pun intended there, sorry. Mm. Um, but it was just worth mentioning that they have this this unit together and that they're making, it's, it appears to me at least, more of an effort to to uh, to do that, to honour them. It, it, it's definitely nice to see. And yeah, you said that we saw the Harvey Cook Memorial come out at Haas and they had sort of uh, sort of po- almost like a little podium out the front of their, stat, their um, garages. And it, it, it's touching. And it, again, it, it harks back to this idea of the F1 family. And I think the intensity of the season really impacts and helps conglomerate the teams into this sort of tight little units where they become a family, where they become such a tight knit community. And it's... As much, as much as it's a, a shame and it's a sad thing to see both of these men very young when they passed away as well mm. it's, it's quite shocking in that regard but it's nice to see them be honoured by their friends and people they would likely regard as family in the same way that you would with more traditional means so it, it's a nice thing to see and speaking of other nice things was um, obviously you get at the end of the race you have all the pit engineers leaning over the fence waving on their drivers as they come across the line to take the chequered flag so we saw them do this with Max Verstappen as he comes home to take the win and then there's a bit of a gap while they're waiting for Lewis Hamilton to come through and when Lewis comes across the line the Red Bull mechanics are hanging over the fence appropriately just applauding Smattering of applause they're sort of clapping on being quite sort of it's not whooping and hollering for him but it's respectful and it's despite the battle that they've had over the years as a championship as teams seeing that respect between the two of them is it's a really nice thing and if anything it's leading by a really good example that a lot of fans could do with taking to heart and then obviously they go whooping and hollering when Perez comes past because podium is I would free. be intrigued if that had been Lewis in first and Max in second if they had spattered the applause there because <laughs> they wouldn't be there as soon maybe <laughs> yeah they wouldn't have necessarily been straight over there but it's it just shows they're sort of grown up enough to yeah, know, celebrate their common man. It, it's just a nice thing. and it's, it's a nice point. Speaking of other things that are quite nice, I'm not sure which one to go with first in this one. I'll go with Sexy Nice and mm. uh, Ferrari. Oh, no, not you, Ellie really, May. Calm down. <laughs> Might have to edit that one out. Um, <laughs> sexy Nice and f- not because they've just dug a hole there. Um, <laughs> not the... Uh, Ferrari have unveiled their new Le Mans hypercar and it is a goddamn looker. And you, you might have seen pictures of it. It is a fine looking automobile. It very much is. It's 
delivery it on it. It is an Italian it, stallion. It looks good. Sounds pretty good as well. They had it out testing around Imola, and oh boy, that is. Ooh, it's exciting. Looking forward to the new Lamar hypercar class. They'll be facing BMW, possibly. I think BMW have touted they've got something in the works. Peugeot, mm-hmm. Toyota, and Glick and Alice have got cars out on tracks at the moment. So it's an exciting season next year. I think Cadillac is supposed to be coming over to it as well. There's a few big names returning to proper European endurance racing. So it'll be I chose a good year to get into WEC, is what I know. Oh, I know that I'm going to enjoy getting into WEC next season. I'm just trying to find an interesting way to convince the editor of Classic Car Weekly that we need to report on the Spa 24 hours or something like that. Or Spa 6 hours, Le Mans 24, isn't it? Yeah. They will at one point be a classic car. Exactly. It's a future classic. They do also do the twenty-four, the classic 24 hours of Le Mans as well. So I'm just saying I'm going along to learn where I need to stand. You can publish this piece in 20 years when it's relevant. Exactly. I'll just write it now and then when it becomes relevant, you can publish it. Um, Speaking of things that we might not have 20 years to deal with, the environment and Valtteri Bottas, who is setting up a gravel racing series for bicycles, which is a bit of a weird change of tact, but something I wanted to mention because it's one of those nice things where you hear about all the drivers setting up legacy campaigns, Lewis Hamilton, Sebastian Vettel, two two, the ones you know about doing this a lot. But Bottas has gone down his very own and very unique personal route for this one. uh, Is it gravel or is it just a shit ton of coffee beans? It's 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 gravel. Uh, okay. he, just, he, no, would, just knowing Bottas, he might try and combine those two loves. He wouldn't be wasting coffee. Well, I was also going to ask what like gravel is in gravel gravel because cycling in gravel doesn't sound could be quite entertaining to watch. If it Wait, is gravel, it, gravel. Yeah. like loose surface gravel, like you go gravel rally and gravel. So yeah. I'm I'm more disappointed now. As opposed, what other gravel are you thinking of? Like proper gravel, gravel. I Not was thinking of like stuff. the gravel. Like the stuff you get on a driveway up to a posh house, that kind of gravel. Yeah, I was That's the that same type of gravel. gravel. How is that? No, it's not. You've got loose gravel, which is the kind that makes sense, and you've got gravel gravel, which Ellie May and I clearly know what that is, and I'm more gravel experts than you, Jesse. But, but okay, fine then. It's loose surface cycling. Um, I don't know which sort of gravel it is. I didn't know there was two types of gravel. Clearly. There's is probably gonna... more than two types, but there's two distinctly different types, which is gravel, gravel, and loose gravel. Listen, I assume it's not going to be like the road racing bikes. It's going to be like ah, the more like thick. Ah, ah, is no, it it's gonna be done thin? on road racing bikes. You give them slightly thicker tyres. We have all the gears and the drop bars for them. They're really cool bikes. I, there, we had one in Go Outdoors when I used to work that I really wanted it because it's such a cool bike, ten speed, but it's got slightly aggressive like road tyres to it, so it copes with the gravel. Fixed, no suspension on it. And then Bottas had a video of him doing it on Instagram a few weeks back. But basically, he's setting up a cycling race not far yeah, from that. Yeah, that was, was gravel, born. gravel. That was loose gravel. Yeah, loose gravel. Loose yeah, surface gravel. gravel. Loose surface cycling. The, the stop distracting with different types of, gra- of gravel. Anyway, um, he grew up cycling to school Amateur. in Finland. Um, he really likes cycling. Obviously, he's dating world-class cyclist Tiffany Cromwell, also a brilliant helmet designer, as it turns out. Um, so he's reveling in the sport, and he sees it as a nice break from Formula One and a good chance to reset. And as we obviously inch into Movember, Timo already jumping in with this one, um, he likes his cycling as it's a great way to sort of unwind and step back from things. It's a great part of his sort of preserving his mental health. So it's a nice thing to mention in that regard. But also, his race, he's basically hosting this race 
place near where he was born in Lati, Finland, where he is an ambassador to the local area and seeks to preserve the natural surroundings. So he's got this sort of interesting preservation side that we never really knew about. And uh, he's looking to incorporate as many of his passions as possible into the race, nature, cycling, a good coffee. And he said in an interview, after a ride, I like to reward myself with a beer or a gin and tonics. So there would be an opportunity for that. And so I thought he would say he He has also mentioned that there might be saunas involved in it as well. Don't worry. (laughs) He he is incorporating as many bits of his personality into this sort of race. So whether or not you meet early, start off with. He says that, especially in gravel racing. Is there going to be halfway around the gravel track? Is there going to be a river where you can just get off and cool down for a moment and then get back on and go around to do the rest of it? Unclear. It's the area he's been cycling around does have lakes and rivers, so I wouldn't be surprised if there is an opportunity for some natural bathing. Let's say, um, but the Maybe fact of the matter is, quickly picturing that in the head by the look on her face. <laughs> d- dissociating, thinking of, oh yes. Um, Anyway, the fact is he understands that Formula One releases about 256,000 tonnes of carbon equivalent pollution each uh, racing season, which is quite an interesting statistic. And he wants to enjoy something a little less environmentally damaging. So cycling it is. He admits, though, that professional cycling is at its top tier, especially, isn't much better because you bear in mind the cavalcade of helicopters, bikes and cars that follow things like the Tour de France or Giro d'Italia around this. You're getting a fair amount of pollution from that. But he's determined to make a difference and having seen the real time impacts of climate climate change in his native Finland, he's looking to leave a lasting and positive mark. I just think it's a nice story. It's a wholesome story. It's a very nice story. He's going to take over Vettel. Yes, he's going to become the sort of the the quiet elder statesman driving a slightly midfield team, just doing nice environmenty things. Does that mean then that if Vettel's been growing up the long hair as he proceeds to get to the end of his career, we can see a Oh, we're going to see long hair Bottas. from him. Specifically, I reckon he's going to go for the long beard. He's going to go for the beard. He's going to go like full Harold Ertl, big beard. I'd like to see him put this. that in a in a race in a helmet. What if conspiracy theory time? He is in fact the main man at Rich Energy, but it's his past <laughs> self, and he's going to grow into the look, <laughs> and then time travel back and and found Rich Energy just to fuck with everyone. William's story is Valtteri Bottas' alter ego through time yes. travel and beard growth. Yeah. Have you ever seen them together? No. Eh? Eh? But they're two vastly different characters. So either Bottas exactly. is the world's you greatest... suspect it. He's the world's so greatest this, character actor? I don't know. Is this the start of his villain era? Yes. To quote you, Yes. Anyway, look, all I'm saying is I'm down for signing up to go to Finland, eat some porridge with L3 Bottas, have a bicycle ride, have a swim in a river, have a nice coffee and then sit in a sauna with a beer. I don't know. I'm not against that as a concept for a holiday. So if anyone else is down, let me know. We'll book some flights. Um, the final thing I've got on my... You're down for that, Timo? All right, we'll go. We'll, we'll, we'll rent some bikes when we get there. Um, my final point on my big sort of post-race news list is the FIA Motorsport Games. Everyone loves to joke about the idea of what if Formula One was part of the Olympics or what if there was a motorized Olympics? Well, it actually exists. Turns out it's existed since 2019 uh, with the FIA Motorsport Games. The next one's being held in 2024 in Valencia at a 
not uh, but the standard circuit you'd think of. It's actually being held at Ricardo Tormo, which will be interesting. Uh, this year, it was held at Marseille and Circuit Paul Ricard, welcoming 463 athletes representing 72 different FIA sport national sporting authorities. So loads of different countries competing. Um, the Italians won, narrowly beating out the French across the 16 disciplines from karting to rallying, GT racing and drifting over the four-day event. I also think it's free to go along to. So quite how we missed this and the idea of a free trip to the south of France beyond me we're going to have to plan ahead 2024 we're going to Spain to watch some people from Czechoslovakia drifting I don't know it sounds like fun uh, it's a progressive event really good gender diversity across the field and the auto slalom cars are electric so it's I will say I'm getting a little bit more into the auto slalom stuff just because I keep finding people who are into that and eh, I could be up for that Slalom is in like slalom skiing. Slalom, slalom. It's not downhill on snow. This is slalom, slalom. It's it's on tarmac and basically just weaving really fast. But you're given, I think they have used Opal Corsa E rally cars, so electric rally cars. To basically, loads of weaving. They do like time trial stuff, GT racing, drifting, karting, pro and junior careers. So it's really cool stuff. And again, it had drivers from across the world from different grassroots backgrounds you wouldn't initially anticipate being put in front of a global stage a relatively high FIA supported tier. And I think this is one of the things where the FIA's fine money goes into because it's free to rock up to. So 2024, once Timo and I finished our Valtteri Bottas cycle ride, we'll head to Spain and we'll enjoy four days of motorsport. How does that sound? I'm not bloody saying different weather, Very different weathers. How are you going to pack? Cleverly. I'll just pack for Finland and then just throw stuff off my body as we cycle from Finland well, we're not Spain. cycling from Finland we can get like a train or something no I was going to suggest it. we do it the Indiana Jones way where you just have a picture of a map and you have little versions of us and we just get like there in like two seconds maps. then yeah yeah um so anyway, 2024, we're going to go to the FIA Motorsport Games. It's like the Olympics, but speed it up a bit. Anyway, is that has anyone got, got any final points to throw in there? I think I'm all right after all of that. That has been a perfectly fun little bonus episode of not quite race-related news. So that's all we've got time for for this bonus little element. Uh, Timo, where can the people find you? You can find me over on Is It Fast, wherever a nice indie car is better than F1 in 2022 after come out. I saw yes, that really. earlier today. It looks good. Um, thank you. On the curbs, episode out with Hamda Al-Kubasi. Great gal. She should be an F1 one day. She's just phenomenal. There's a brand new episode of the Nitro RX podcast out with all the fun from LA. It was nuts. And I'm also on Pilot Sorority and Instagram. What about you, Monsieur Billington? Uh, I can be found across much of the internet, uh, Twitter and Instagram mostly, as well as if you want to find me in person or at least in a physical form in this realm, you can find me writing for Classic Car Weekly where I have the events pages going out, news pieces, bits writing about our classics and something what I've got coming ahead. I've got London to Brighton this weekend, so heading down to Madeira Drive to watch some pre-1905 cars arriving after covering the 60-odd miles from Hyde Park to Brighton. I dare to race them on foot. Uh, you could probably do that. They are not fast machines. Uh, then the week after that, I am heading up to Birmingham with Richard Hammond to go to the NEC Classic Motor Show. So that'll be good fun. Not specifically with Richard Hammond, but I know he's there and we're going to catch up. So That's how you market it anyway. Yes, that's how I'm going to tell my friends I'm doing it. When in reality, I'm just sort of going to hopefully sort of follow him around the show hall in Birmingham going, could I get an autograph? Early May, before we get Jesse to go off on more tangents about his love for Richard Hammond, where can people find you? 
you can find me looking for a gravel company to sponsor this podcast, seeing as we've spoken too much like too much about gravel. I didn't know I there was two types. Message. I didn't know there was two types. He's going to have a whole any... education. Yeah, if you want the driveway gravel company wants us wants to sponsor us. We can... I really want to go find one now just for this. <laughs> I've got some free time later in the week. I think I know what I'm doing. <laughs> anyway. I'm sure anyway we can find you places other than digging out gravel-based sponsorship. No. Just that's it. Purely she's... That's, oh, that's, yeah. You're a marketing This is her life now. Yep. I'm going to go I'm Google on, gravel. That absolutely no-brainer of a way to end an extra episode of the Undercut Podcast. That is very much all we have time for. As we said previously, keep an eye out for our Mexican Grand Prix review, which you can listen to, as well as... Uh, Jesse, friend of the podcast, Jacob, and I doing an F3 triple head review that we did record back when it was still more relevant, but we just thought we'd leave it because we need a bit of a gap. So uh, We recorded that on the Tuesday after Italy, yeah. I think. Yes, we did. But, you know, we wanted to have you give you something a bit extra as well, so enjoyed that. And in the meantime, goodbye. Goodbye.